Welcome to the Fitness FAQs podcast, where we use calisthenics to become strong like a gymnast, look like a bodybuilder, and gain mobility to move freely. What's going on, everyone? It's Daniel Vadnell here for Fitness FAQs. I'm joined here by Jonathan FV. I've known Jonathan for a very long time, since 2013. He is involved in parkour, used to be, gymnastics background, hand balancing and circus, as well as strength training to a very high level. So he's one of the few people that combines all of those different modalities, particularly the hand balancing and strength training to a high standard. Jonathan, welcome to Fitness FAQs. Thank you, Dan. Awesome, man. Yeah, it's nice to finally meet you. Yeah, so I've been here for one week. I'm spending two weeks with Jonathan. So it's been a pleasure, man, training so far. Eating, training, (laughs) sleeping, and trying to learn as much as I can from you. Same trying to learn from you as well. Awesome, man. So what's your your backstory for the people that don't know about you? It's a long story. There's a lot to say. Like, um, basically, I just started gymnastics when I was like 9, 10, 10. After having seen like uh, Kidam, uh, Cirque du Soleil show, um, I thought that in banking, the performers look really, really strong. And like, I was like, I want to do gymnastics. I want to be strong like that too. Yes. And then like, I just did gymnastics. Then after that, uh, when I was 20, I stopped and did uh, firefighting for a year. After that, I just went to train outside, do parkour, um, started doing more just training with ghetto means. Yeah. And then I made my way to Vancouver hitchhiking and I had no money and that's how I got into circus basically. Uh, what's your height and weight? I don't think I asked you that. I'm 5'5". Five 5'5". Five. Five five. And uh, my weight varies between 155 and like 160. I think a few months ago, I got up to 163. I want to talk now about hand balancing. So. For people that are looking to get into hand balancing, it's super overwhelming. There's so many drills that you can do. It's confusing with warm-up, body alignment, strength, endurance, all that stuff. If you've got someone that's new that just wants to start their handstand journey and you had to take care of them from the start, how would you go about that? Okay. Uh, First, show them how to warm up, ask them questions about their background, like see what they can do or cannot do. Have they tried anything before? Um, after that, I will make sure that they are comfortable falling. I want to make sure that they can do some rolls, they can do some cartwheels. I want them to be comfortable to like be upside down a little bit and not freak out and stay calm. In terms of practice time, let the people know what is what you recommend the minimum to make improvements or what you'd recommend if the person is super motivated to make progress. So. How much is the minimum that you recommend hours and days per week and what's the the optimal okay it's really going to depend on your level it's really going to depend on your proficiency as well that's a sign like, of a good coach someone that says it depends <laughs> yeah Go for it. Uh, some people will be able to learn a handstand over time doing like once a week mm. and like is it what i recommend no i think that three times a week or more would be better like if you can for doing three to six times a week uh, that's probably like sweet spot um, if you can do less well it's better to do like a little bit every week than nothing um, yes yeah, so you'd rather see people spread out over more days as opposed to I'm gonna do handstands today for five hours and they do nothing else for the rest of the week yeah of course it's gonna depend also like 
there's a minimal amount of work that you want to be able to do. And like, if you want to go super gradually, you can probably just like start with one drill, do like three sets of it every day. Yeah. And like when it gets easy, switch the drill to a different one. Maybe like start with like hands and facing the wall, three to five sets a day, build your endurance when you get like a minute plus and like maybe you can start doing like the same thing, but balancing, that's like the most minimal, minimal way of doing that I can think of. Yeah. Um, of course, you're going to have to learn to kick up and do other stuff. And I don't recommend only doing that. Of course. But if someone wanted to just do it a slow way, but a way that's very simple and doesn't consume much time. like Sustainable. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's all sustainable. Most of it is sustainable of until course, like yeah. you're stupid and bust your wrist, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, makes sense. Yeah, no, ideally it's more like do at least three times a week. Uh, maybe like four or five different drills, like two or three sets each. Mm-hmm. And like that should be a decent minimum. Yeah. And in terms of hours per day minimum versus maximum averages? It's not, it's not a question of like how long you do it per day. It's a question of like doing the work. And doing the work takes the time it takes. Perfect. Don't give yourself a stupid amount of volume. Like it's pointless to do 50 sets of like 30 seconds when like like well we, there's no there's no point of doing yeah. that so a real but, quality over quantity approach i guess yeah quality over quantity and like you want to you want to do it enough that you can feel like you're understanding things and progressing between your sets um yeah it's important like every set think about what you're doing think about like if something wasn't right in the other one on the previous set like what was it what did you do wrong how can you fix it yeah um so don't do it mindlessly. Don't just blindly go into the next set frustrated about the previous one or just trying to push it. Have yeah. a lot of thought behind what you're doing. Yeah. Oftentimes too, like if you figure out that something was wrong in one set, it's okay to overcompensate on the next set a little bit to try to, to do the opposite just to see. Yeah. And you can find like a little bit like of a sweet spot in the middle. Perfect. What are your standards for the basics? So someone learning a two-arm handstand, what should they get at? like hold time before even considering like a more challenging practice of one arm handstands? For me, it's not about necessarily the whole time. It's about how comfortable you are and like, are you able to do most things on two hands? Like why would you do one arm handstand if all you ever done was building your balance on two arms? Like there are so many more tricks you can do on two arms to challenge yourself than just endurance like flags, all that type of stuff. Sure, like there's like, I, I call them like posture changes. You can play with like different different uh, shapes and stuff. Mm. That's one way of challenging yourself. But how about like walking on your hands? How about climbing up and down things? How about doing pirouettes? How about like jumping a little bit? Um, how about like doing handstands and like weird props or like weight grips? Like there's so many different aspects of your handstand that you should challenge before going to one arm handstand just to know that you can adapt yourself and like you're strong in your handstand you're strong at many different angles because if you only do one thing like this is so specific and yeah you're gonna like control you're not gonna be strong enough of them to just go to one arm now for the the people that are watching that don't know you do this full-time you train full-time right i want you to let the people know what it's like to train full-time how long you've been training full time and just, yeah, more about 
the experience of doing that? Okay. Well, training full-time is not easy. No. Um, I always trained a lot, you know, both in gymnastics and on my own. Often, you know, I used to hide in the gym to train more, uh, but I never really had like the chance to just focus on training. And I finally was able to kind of like afford myself that chance uh, starting in September this year, September 2018. Okay. Um, so now it's been like, I don't know, like something like eight months or something. Yeah, right. Seven or eight months. Yeah. And uh, at first it was harder because you had to adjust to like a schedule that's pretty intense. You know, you wake up, you eat, you train, you cook yourself dinner, you eat some more and you go to bed. So how many hours per day of, of training? We'll talk about what different stuff that you do, but how many hours total is like six hours? No, six hours, like I, I wish. That's like it would be nice. Like, like I'd be able day. to hold a job when I do that. <laughs> um, no, no. If I feel good and like I don't have any injuries and stuff and I train everything like I should, it's more like nine, ten hours. Yeah. And like I have gone up to like 11 hours on certain days. And we'll clarify this for the people watching, but it's not like you're doing heavy squats for 10 hours or no. weighted pull-ups for 10 hours. No, You've it's got... more like hand balancing for like four or five hours. Then after that, it's going to be like strength training, but with long rest in between because uh, every single set I do tends to be pretty challenging. Yes, I've and seen. Then, yeah, <laughs> I just make sure that like, I'm able to do my next set basically. Yeah. So by doing this full time, you can optimize every part of your life to performance, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy routine, man. Mm -hmm. What makes you say that it's, it's not easy because I'm sure there's people watching that are like, I could achieve so much more if only I had time. Yeah. But I was talking to you about this. You give someone else or most people time and the opportunity to do this much training. I don't think most people would be able to be dedicated, consistent enough and really isolate themselves on the goal. What, what were the big challenges for you um, in terms of transitioning to doing it full time? What, what do you find hard? Well, I'm training at home right now, right? Yeah. So at first it was weird because I went from training outside with a couple of friends or training at the gym where I had other friends, just like training on my own. Yeah. And I explained most of my days like inside, just like training, looking out the window, like to see what the squirrels are doing. Yeah, yeah, right. And, um, and uh, yeah, I guess I just had to get used to spending like a week at home without going out. Yeah. And just like stuck up on food and just like yeah. spend a week, sometimes two weeks, yeah. like inside and like that's it. Yes, yeah. Based on your experience, what do you feel are the small details that aren't really important in the grand scheme of things that people stress about? In terms of programming, anything that you don't know what it's doing in your training program exactly that like you have no reason to do, you should think about it. Maybe you should like rethink about even doing it or like choose to spend your energy or something that's more valuable. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of exercises, I think there's a lot of details that are like just mostly arguing about something that doesn't really matter that much versus arguing about something that's a big mistake. Because you know, there, there are like details and exercises that can be like big mistakes that it's a, it's a no because it's going to get you hurt or it's going to reduce your efficiency or it's going to prevent you from achieving other stuff later on. Mm -hmm. Those are big mistakes. 
But if it's just a detail that doesn't really matter, that just like aesthetic base, um, if your concern is not aesthetic, for example, don't fret over it, don't worry over it. Yep. Just do what you can do without getting hurt. And what you're doing is going to improve over time. Like, and it's okay if like form sometimes looks a little bit wonky. Uh, if you're pushing yourself, it happens. As long as if it's safe in the grand scheme. Of exactly. Things. As long as it's safe, like it might look ugly, but it's safe. You're getting stronger. You're making gains. That's fine. If the form's a little bit ugly, it's okay if you've safely been progressing yourself to that load, to that intensity. Yeah. And it depends also, like, doesn't matter. Like if you do, let's say a squat with like a super rounded back and like, uh, you're like leaning forward and all the weight is on your toes. Yeah. That's that's a mistake like you're gonna you're gonna hurt yourself yes, probably yes or you're gonna like fall on your face and get your your head crushed by the barbell or like something. some of those fail videos yeah. yes exactly <laughs> uh that's a mistake yes but let's yeah. say like uh you start keeping a little bit more on your pull-up or something yeah uh, just for like a couple sessions and like you're still like getting a really good muscular stimulus um that's fine yeah, yeah it's okay after that to just go back and clean it up a little bit yeah like it's okay to have a little bit less clean, clean it up, a little bit less clean, clean it up. It's big picture stuff. I think that a lot of people stress too much about the small nuances of technique. Like you said, for a pull-up, being concerned too much about what's my elbow doing? What's my scapula doing? What's my lower back doing? Like yourself, a basic progression approach. Are you progressing? Are you doing more reps, sets, lifting heavier weight? Is the intensity increasing? Mm -hmm. Focusing on an outcome perspective as opposed to an internal perspective is what you should do because that's what matters most. Mm -hmm. I feel the people that stress too much about the details are trying to, yeah, major in the minors, so to speak. Yeah. Like you said, progress, that's all that really matters. If it's being done safely, that intensity is what's important. Yeah. And it's something that happens a lot in handstands too. Like mm -hmm. hand balancing is possibly one of the things where people fret the most about details, not to say that they're not important, but Hey, look at a b-boy that just practice a shit done. Yeah. Like they can do amazing things. Is their form perfect hand balancing wise? No. no. But can they do like really ridiculous things? Yes. Because they like, were trying to obtain the movement outcome or the skill. Mm -hmm. They weren't overly stressing about should I externally rotate in this position? Yeah, like there's more nuance, yeah. for sure. Like there's always more efficient ways of doing things, but it's okay to discover those ways along the way and just like figure things out for yourself a little bit because not only in terms of training but in terms of like your capacity to analyze what you're doing yeah. it's practice yeah yeah you've got to be your own teacher your own feedback through filming yourself looking in the mirror and then seeing how that relates to your overall progression with your plan your also see how it feels like are you able to do it um when I first started to learn my one arm handstands, like sometimes I twist a little bit weird. Yeah. And like people told me like, Hey, you're twisting. I was like, okay. Did I fix it right away? No. no. I just kept doing it because I still managed to do it in progress. And like over time, I still kept it in mind and fixed yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. But did I, did I get anxious over it and did I be like, Oh my God. No, yeah. like I'm, I'm cuckoo. No, no. Like I'm not wrong. do the training. It's like, yeah. Oh, I'll have to wait until I've got the perfect overhead mobility before I do handstands to fix that rotation. Mm -hmm. 
you can concurrently work on your training whilst improving your weak links. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, if you waited for the perfect opportunity to perfect your technique, you'd never be training, would you? Yeah, exactly. For me, like being able to do it is better than not being able to do it perfectly. Yeah. Kind of like you're not able to do it, but you're trying to do it perfectly, but yeah. you can do it. I'd rather be able to do it. I agree. As opposed yeah. to a keyboard warrior that knows the perfect form and technique that's but you, never, yeah. never done it in their Exactly. Life. Like guys like, oh, you have to squat exactly this way and that way. Yeah. But then they go and they do a set of five with 135. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And they'll critique an Olympic lifter that's lifting like, just incredible loads. Exactly. But, but yeah. their knees are caving. They must be weak. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or you need to train more your glutes. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's right. ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So in terms of either calisthenics or general strength training, what are an exercise method or approach that people tend to do commonly that you think is not the best use of the okay. time? That I can answer easy. Okay. One of the things I see the most often is doing a million exercises for one thing. Like, let's say like that you, is the you do- biggest thing that you've said in the whole right? video. Yeah. Let's say like you see someone, okay, my, my, my day today, I'm gonna do like three sets of dips. Then I'm gonna do like three sets of push-ups. Then I'm going to do like push-ups with my hands onto something. Then I'm going to do like push-ups on my knees. Yeah. It's like, dude, pick one or two. Just do more of it. Why, why are you doing like uh, elevated push-ups if you're able to do weighted push-ups on the ground? What was the point of that? Just do more push-ups. I can answer that because by doing more and adding a lot of variety and a lot of exercises, it masquerades effort. You feel like you're doing yeah. a lot of work because you're doing a lot of exercises. But seeing you train and the effort, the genuine effort you put into the one exercise, I feel that what you said was perfect. For people that use a bodyweight approach, what are the common weaknesses that you see? Is it at the shoulder? Is it core strength? Is it shoulder strength? Is it back strength? What do you see people being limited in? I think lower back strength and hip hinge in patterns. Because you can do a lot of uh, outside, you know, given that they train their legs. Yes. There's a lot you can do for like leg pushing, yep. but there's not a lot you can do for hip hinging. So you mean more posterior chain stuff is the shortcoming of bodyweight approach? Not necessarily because your squat trains your posterior chain too. Like if you were to do like pistols with people on your back or something, like you do work your butt, yep. but your lower back and like the hip extension part that's something that you don't do as much. Let's Through say like deadlift yeah. or like back extensions or reverse hypers. Perfect. Um, yeah, that's something that's a little bit missing yeah. outside, I find. What about the upper body? Upper body is pretty complete. Yeah. 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 Sweet. I noticed that with your training, you don't amp yourself up before a set. You don't really care what music's on. You don't care, like we said before, like what you've eaten that day or stressing too much about little things or having to rely on stimulants to train or things mm. like that. You just have a plan, you do it, you try and progress, you look at the big picture of things and you just train, you just train. I, I really I really like that about what you do. Mm -hmm. uh, I think there's worth in just think calm and like thinking about what you're doing. Um, you know, getting amped up, you can help for simple movements, yeah. but also find that it can throw off your path a little bit sometimes. Like, I mean, like the movement path, mm. the pattern. Yes, yes. Um, 
yeah, if you freak out, you can like, oftentimes, like if you're amped up, you're going to try to go too early for like certain parts of a movement. Potential injuries. Potential injuries. Yeah. Like, and I'm not sure if you'll rely on that, honestly. Like, mm. I, I don't know. I like just being able to be calm and like do something and like, you know, you focus, but no, that's, don't need to go berserk. Yeah. You described it perfectly because that's a sustainable approach from injury prevention um yeah you can stay really focused with what you're doing and you can't you can't fake strength so i think a lot of the times people will get amped up because they need to go to a certain zone to do what they've got to do for the day and seeing your philosophy behind training it's a very um, structured patient approach and you approaching in that way means that you can do what you need to do every day Mm-hmm. And you're you're not testing your strength by getting amped up and. Well, here's the thing conditions. too. Like, maybe you can get amped up if you test something. But what if you do a set that's challenging? Like, you do something that's challenging. Yeah. And you have like ten sets to do. That's what I'm talking about. Right? Talking Are you going to be able to do like every single set? Like, be super amped up to do it. I'm talking about daily training where this stoic approach is fantastic because you're progressing slowly, gradually. You're less likely to get injured. You're likely to stick to your plan. The training seems more tolerable as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't you can't expect yourself to always get amped up. Of course, it helps for recovery too. I know. Yeah. What's your thoughts on motivation? Overall, in your life, you do need drive to get things done, but you can't always count on motivation. Motivation is just like, oh, you feel good that day, you get to train nice like enjoy it take advantage of it if you don't you shut up and do it anyway yeah so you've got a specific set of goals whether you're feeling happy sad whatever emotion you want to throw out there your thinking is well discipline uh, self-discipline and consistency trump motivation any day motivation happens sometimes yeah discipline is always that's right and i mean if you're motivated you have one good session like we spoke about, one good session, what does that mean? Yeah, it's... On the big self thing, it doesn't mean anything unless you do it almost daily. Yeah. And the people that achieve greatness or, you know, high levels of strength, they're the ones that have, regardless if they're motivated, not motivated, they're stuck to their plan, stuck to their goals mm-hmm. and just continue with it, I guess. Yeah, you have to be stubborn. Stubborn. Yeah. 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 So I've spent two weeks with you, John. I'm going to finish up this uh, training experience, if you will. Based on seeing me training over this time, what would you say is holding me back personally from progressing? We're not going to go into my strengths. I'm aware of what things I'm, I'm better at, but what do you feel I need to improve on? Be, push harder. Push harder? Yeah. In what respect? Oftentimes, you got too many reps in the tank. Like, especially when you do like, was, uh, this morning was doing a squats and was doing like high reps, but... It was gonna stop at 12 instead of 15, and I knew we had even more a little bit than 15 if you really yeah. wanted to. But you're training reps, like you gotta push it more. It's not like you're doing something really intense that you might get hurt. Like your form was still very nice, and you managed, even though uh, it was hard on your cardio, you still got three more reps than you would have done normally just because, like I told you, keep going. 100%. And like those were good reps too. Thanks, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with him. Um, yeah, it's hard to be constructively criticized but that's what it takes to progress and grow and for me personally i i think that the pushing harder comes to having clear goals Mm -hmm. it's um easy to get complacent if you're not very clear 
with what, how, and why you're doing something. If I just reframe my mindset to why I need to do more reps on the squat, then I'll put in the effort consistently to work harder and push harder on the squats, on my calisthenic stuff as well. So that's what I've really learned from you the past two weeks was having that vision, clarity, goals, a simple program that you progress with over time because then you can push. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, if it's if you're not sure what you're doing on the day, come on, man. If we're not motivated all the time or willing to push all the time, but like you said, that doesn't matter. It's about what you want to achieve. Today, those 15 reps happen because I'm trying to achieve a double bodyweight squat. So mm-hmm. push harder, I definitely will. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Like with the size of your legs, you probably could do it already. <laughs> The mismatch between the size and the strength. John was giving me a lot of flack about that, but I'm working on it. He's got like a huge motor, but what do you do with it? I know, man. Come on, <laughs> let's teach that CNS. <laughs> yeah. What would you recommend for isometric stuff, like static exercises, be it, let's use the front lever and the planche as an example. What, what do you recommend? Like Because there's things online that say you should do hold times of this duration or this duration? What, what have you found to be to be good for preparing the body? Honestly, I think it's good to attack on many different fronts. Uh, if you do something that's straight arm and like, you know, isometric hold, I think it's good to have like a very high intensity hold where you just practice like recruiting your muscle. I think it's good to have another one where you hold for longer just to get used to it, build time under tension. Like when you're gonna make it harder, it's gonna help you uh, intensify the exercise with a bit more ease and then recommend something that's isotonic so like include movement in it just for muscular hypertrophy specific to the move you're doing yes it's going to help you improve it as well so let's say like you're talking about a planche maybe you can do like a straddle planche for like five hard seconds if it becomes easy maybe a little bit of weight or maybe get your legs closer together just yeah. find a way to make it a bit more intense mm-hmm. and then on the other hand you can be building your tuck planche to like a minute yeah and then in terms of like dynamic you know work on your press to handstand maybe you can work on like l sit to like tuck planche for reps you just you know that like eccentric part of the movement is where like the most muscle tissue breaks down and yeah. like um Isotonic exercises just tend to build more muscle than isometric ones. Perfect. Um, so do a bit of all of it. Just make sure you program it well. Like you said, it depends on what your goal is. If you just want to improve the static position, specific adaptation, imposed demands, do that position statically. Easy. Mm-hmm. So for the people watching, doing the isometric with high intensity, low duration is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, lower intensity, Long duration is good as well, Mm -hmm. mixing the two, but also doing a full range of motion with that exercise, moving the joint through its full angle that it's going to be used. And just make sure your arm stays straight if it's straight arm. What are your thoughts on training to failure versus a gradual progression approach without hitting failure? Depends on your goals. Depends on your goals. Like... It depends what part of your training you're doing. I think for something is fine. Sometimes it's fine to train to failure. If you're trying to push your endurance, yes. uh, train to failure and then try to keep going afterwards, that's probably going to be good for it. Okay. Uh, if you're trying to push, if you're trying to like train purely for strength with your reps, maybe not. That's not a great yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you have to think about what you're trying to apply it to. Yes. And whether it's strength or building muscle comes into play whether you use failure or not. So. 
from my experience, you can get away with hitting failure on an isolation-based exercise, mm -hmm. you know, used intelligently and sparingly. But if you're going to be failing on, you know, a weighted pull-up every session, probably not a good idea for, you know, long-term progression yeah. if strength is your goal, like we said. Mm -hmm. In terms of improving overhead strength, what are your thoughts on training the handstand push-up versus an overhead press with weights? Because you've got experience with both having strength on the handstand push-up as well as on a weighted overhead press. When would you focus on one versus the other? Pros and cons of each. Let's talk about it. Okay. I speak about it more from a personal experience. I trained my handstand push-up pretty extensively in the past. Uh, at first, I just did a lot of volume to like be able to do more reps. Then I started adding like weight in the form of a weight vest. Yeah. Pretty much always like full range, like just found the ledge, got my chest to it, just pushed. Um, Eventually, I started starting using the weight vest and just like, even though I was adding more volume, I had a really hard time adding any reps. Yep. And I felt a couple of trainings in a row and I thought maybe it would be a good idea to just give overhead press a shot just for like, starting it a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Some raw movement pattern, but not totally. And when I tried the overhead press, uh, I was pretty disappointed. I was pretty disappointed yeah. with like how many reps I got with how much weight it was yeah. not good because relative to how strong you were with handstand push-up moving x pounds or kilos of your own body weight compared to the overhead press where was it okay so be honest with the people yeah when I, I first tried I could do my own body weight for like one rep only and 135 I could do like four reps or something yeah. given like the technique I was trying to use a handstand push-up technique which is not yeah. you know ideal for overhead press yeah but still yeah it was not as good as i thought i thought maybe i eventually if i can get to a bunch of reps with like 40 pounds weight vest then like yeah i'd be like pressing like 200 plus pounds but it's not the case yeah no way no yes. way um and i was disappointed with the carryover but it's not to say that Handstand push-ups never carry over to overhead press because yeah. it's probably better if I did handstand push-ups than like no overhead press work at all. Yes. Um, similarly, I've seen guys that were pretty strong at overhead pressing and benching, uh, being able to do strong handstand push-ups, not with the balance, but you yeah. know, when you hold their legs or you put them yeah. against the wall yeah. with parallel bars and just like, boom, 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 yeah, they go yeah, really yeah. fast, right? And like, yeah. they just got overhead power. So I think there might be a little bit more carryover from a strong overhead press to a handstand push-up that you don't have to balance than the reverse. Interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure why. And like it, it kind of goes a little bit against like when people compare like a uh, uh, open kinetic chain versus closed, uh, yeah. closed kinetic chain. So closed kinetic chain is a handstand push-up because the hands are fixed. Mm -hmm. Open kinetic chain is with weights because it moves. Just yeah. So people know. Yeah. But yeah, I don't really... I agree with those concepts to start with. I don't think they're relevant, but it kind of goes for me to like show that, yeah, they're yeah. not really that relevant. Yeah, because the people watching my channel want to follow a bodyweight approach and they're thinking, well, if I'm wanting to improve a closed kinetic chain exercise, I should do just that. But seeing you doing a lot of overhead pressing, if you think about it, simply speaking, it does make sense. You're overloading the prime movers, which are going to be used in a handstand push-up. Mm -hmm. 
And you've probably got more incremental progression with weights potentially. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well you do. Yeah. You do have more incremental uh, progressions. You can really just focus on pushing more. Yeah. Um, I was going to say something. Like you were telling me with the time I spent here as well was get strong at the handstand push up with a wall. Just build brute strength in those prime movers, mm -hmm. chest, delts, triceps. Then if you want to do the freestanding handstand push ups, you've got a handstand, you bring it together, you practice freestanding handstand push ups mm -hmm. to demonstrate the strength. Yeah. So that's where someone that's done a lot of overhead press, if they got really strong at that, then they practice their handstand and then practice handstand push-ups with balance would be able to do that quite well because mm -hmm. they brought the two skill sets together yeah. and they've got the muscle mass to support mm -hmm. that. I think that doing one doesn't prevent doing the other. Look at uh, the Chinese Olympic lifters. They use yeah. the handstand push-up for improving the overhead press as well. Yes. Like I think there's values in both. For me, I started starting at handstand push-ups. So I went for overhead press. I'm still doing overhead press because... I have pretty big goals for it. I know. And I'm looking forward to going back eventually to more handstand push-ups to see how it's going to carry over. For sure. for sure, it's going to be like, it's going to take some time to adapt to it because yeah, yeah. I've been doing... Um, easy press, yeah. Easy press and like overhead press for maybe like two years now. Yep. Uh, yeah. And I, by the time I'm going to get my goal, I'm going to go back to handstand push-ups. It's going to make like many years since I've done handstand push-ups. Yes, yes. Unless I perform them or something. Exactly. Uh, so it's going to take some getting used to as well, but yeah. they should be pretty good care over to it. And I want people to know as well, because they might not get this impression, is to focus on one at a time. Just... If you're doing handstand push-ups and you see this video, oh yeah, overhead pressing's got value. Don't do handstand push-ups and overhead press in the same session. That's what I got from you. You've got to choose one. Really focus on that as your prime building exercise and try not to do everything at once. Yeah. The only exception for that, I think, would be if you could use one of them as fallback set. Yeah, as more of an That's assistance it. exercise. Yeah. But not trying to really focus on improving yeah exactly you won't be doing like both for strength on the yes. same training yes. that's not a good idea yeah but you could do one for low reps one for high reps for example um yeah. but yeah that's again up to your programming i think we'll wrap it up we'll keep it there i appreciate spending this week with you man i've same had my eyes opened up in a lot of different things learning a ton of stuff from you i'm sure the people that watch this, if they go ahead and check out your stuff, are going to see a style of training that's very productive. It's no BS, straight to the point, intense, and it works. So yeah. thanks, man. Thanks, Dan. No worries. Pleasure. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Visit fitnessfaqs.com to master calisthenics and become a bodyweight pro.